Welcome to Life of Angst, known exaggerations and gross misconceptions. Visit our website at lifeofangst.com. Welcome to the show. My name is Sarah, and today I'm going to talk to you about my journey in using DNA to discover my ancestors. My great-grandfather, Charles Franklin Angst, was adopted, and he spent his whole life trying to find out who his parents were. And it wasn't until 2021 that we used DNA to discover who his parents were and then who his ancestors were and what his last name would have been if he would have stayed with his family. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that journey and about my grandfather and about my family. I hope you'll learn something about how DNA works and how you can use DNA to discover your ancestors. So my great-grandfather's name was Charles Franklin Angst. He was born September 10, 1873, in either Appanoose or Monroe County, Iowa. The first census that he appears on is 1880. In that census, it says that he was born in Indiana. He was adopted by Conrad Angst, an immigrant from Switzerland, and his wife, Mary Bray. He was adopted sometime before 1880 because that's when he first appears on the census with them. In 1894, he married Rosanna Hamilton in Appanoose County, Iowa. He had four children, two of whom would survive infancy, my grandfather, Leslie Carl Angst, who was born in 1897, and his brother, Oliver Nathan Angst, who was born in 1899. Charlie Angst passed away on November 5, 1955 in Laclede County, Missouri, and he's buried at Lonesome Hill Cemetery in Phillipsburg. Now, Charlie spent his whole life trying to find out who his parents were. The closest he got was that a neighbor or a friend of the family told him that his mother's last name could have been Link. He was told that his family was from Indiana, and he is said to have relayed that he was told that when he was a baby, his father went west and was shot by a stray bullet as he walked by a saloon. When his mother heard the news that her love was dead, she went crazy. She left Charlie in a hog trough and walked off. Sometimes the story concludes with the mother succumbing to exposure. Other stories that family members have heard is that Charlie was born into a large family and the mother became ill. The father couldn't care for all of the children, so he gave the youngest children away. Another story was that when Charlie was born, his mother was overwhelmed with a large family, or they were very poor, and she asked the midwife to take her child because she was unable to care for him herself. We didn't know if any of these stories were true or had any truth to them whatsoever. There was nothing really in the paper records that gave us any information at all. A lot of uh, family members and cousins spent a lot of time traveling between Missouri and Iowa before the Internet, looking at census records and court records to see if they could find anything, and nothing of note was really ever found. In 2016, thanks to the Internet and Ancestry.com, my father was looking at the 18th census for Monroe County, Iowa, because he was doing research on the family of Mary Bray. Her family is really interesting. They're originally from Nantucket Island, and my parents actually went out to Nantucket Island to, to visit and to see the, the whaling industry and all that stuff. Super neat stuff. So my dad was doing research on Mary Bray and her family and found out that next door to Mary Bray's grandparents was a man named Conrad Link. So this is the first time that the name Link has been found anywhere in association with the Angst family. So he did some more research into this Conrad Link. He was an immigrant from Switzerland, just like Conrad Angst. So uh, Conrad Link and his brother Elijah, they immigrated from Switzerland. They came to Indiana and they married sisters Elizabeth and Mary Cummings. 
they were the daughters of William and Sophia Landman Cummings. So the Link family moved from Indiana to Iowa in 1848. They, the brothers came with both of their families and they brought their mother-in-law and several nieces and nephews who had recently become orphaned. So like I said, this was the first known connection of the angst to a family named Link. There wasn't really anything we could glean from this, but we knew there was a family named Link who could have been associated with the angst family. So the next thing we did was turn to DNA. So around 2016, when commercial DNA tests became available through Ancestry, my father took a test and we used his DNA as the main base for all of the data in our research. The research really picked up steam in 2020 because there were a lot more people who'd taken tests. The database was so much bigger and we had a lot of matches. So the first thing that I did was use the leads method to split up our DNA matches based on how they're related to us. So I categorized all the matches that we had on Ancestry, Family Tree DNA, GEDmatch, 23andMe, and MyHeritage. And I split everything up based on our known relatives and then our unknown relatives. Then I began to study DNA and genetic genealogy. I built out trees for all of our unknown matches until I could find some common ancestors between those matches. Then I built those trees downward to find all of those people's possible relatives. We used math and probabilities to see if we could figure out possible relationships to these unknown matches. And then I asked every family member I could find to test so that we could verify our theories. Now, my father's family is a little interesting. My great-grandfather, Charlie, only had two sons who survived to adulthood. Those two sons had a lot of kids. Both of them uh, had some some kids. My grandfather, Leslie Carl, had, had a first marriage. And then his second marriage, he married my grandmother. His brother married my grandmother's sister. So the children of those unions are double first cousins. So they're first cousins on their father's side and they're first cousins on their mother's side. So this makes a really interesting tangled DNA web. So the more people we could get to, to test, the better we could kind of untangle the web. So I asked everybody that I knew to take a test for us so that we could figure out all of these matches. So we started looking at the DNA. We revealed no DNA connection to the angst family at all. I, connect, I contacted known angst descendants and asked them if they could test for us. Um, Conrad angst had siblings, and I built down that tree and contacted living descendants and asked them to test. One of the theories had been that Conrad Angst could have actually been Charlie's father, but the mother maybe a neighbor or something. Um, but that turned out to not be the case at all. So while we were not related to the Anks family at all, the DNA did show us a lot of interesting stuff. So the DNA test revealed that all of the of Charles Anks descendants had strong DNA connections to the descendants of William Cummings and Sophia Landman Cummings. Those were the parents of Mary and Elizabeth Cummings who had married the Link brothers. So there was more evidence of a connection there. The strongest matches that the current Anks family members had were to William and Sophia's son, Thomas L. Cummings. So the question now was, are we looking for a Cummings slash Link father, mother, or both? And we weren't getting anywhere with the autosomal DNA, so we turned to Y DNA. My dad and uh, his cousin Marion both took Y DNA tests at Family Tree DNA. Now, Y DNA is super interesting, and it's an important tool if you're doing 
male-to-male-to-male research. So Y-DNA is passed from father to son, virtually unchanged for generations. So if you want to trace back your patrilineal line, you can use Y-DNA. The decision was made, like I said, to test two grandsons of Charlie. That's my father, who's a son of Leslie Carl, and his cousin Marion, who's a son of Oliver Nathan. So we had both sons of Charlie, a descendant of theirs, taking a Y-DNA test. The hope was that they would match with someone who had already tested, and that it would be possible to identify uh, Charlie's father by the Y-DNA test. And hopefully, if we, if we needed to, we could have uh, somebody else take a test and see if there was a match. The results of the Y-DNA test were not what we expected. Um, John and Marion, neither one matched any Cummings person who had tested. There's an, actually a group on Family Tree DNA uh, of Cummings Y-DNA testers, and no angst matched them at all. They also were not an exact match to each other at 37 markers. So we did the, the lowest test you could get on family tree DNA for Y DNA. We got the 37 marker test. And my father and his cousin didn't match each other exactly. They only matched at 36 markers. Um, and we discovered later that my father either got or inherited a mutation in the Y DNA. So he's slightly different than his cousin, but very, very close. So we did get a list of matches, very close matches, some of them exact matches. And the last names of those matches were Elliot, Ellswick, Rains, Rainey, and Rains. None of which made any sense to us. We had never seen those names before. So what we did was we just went back to the paper records to see if we could find anything that made sense with this new information. By just fortunate happenstance, the first record we looked at was the 1860 census for Monroe County, Iowa, where we had found Conrad Link living next to the grandparents of Mary Bray. And the next name on the list, the neighbor of Conrad Link, was the family of a man named Calvin Ellswick. And since Ellswick was a name that we had matched on the Y-DNA test, this is something we needed to investigate. So we started looking at Calvin Ellswick. He only had one son living in the Centerville, Iowa area that was of age to father a child in 1873, and his name was Oliver Ellswick. So we went up Oliver Ellswick's tree to his father and his father, and then built that down and found multiple living Ellswick descendants that we asked if they would take a Y-DNA test. Now, I just, I got a hold of them either on Facebook or if they had an autosomal test somewhere, I sent them an email and asked them if we paid for it, would they be willing to take a Y-DNA test? And we got three gentlemen to agree to take a test. And lo and behold, they were an exact match to my dad's cousin, Marion, and a 36 marker match to my dad. The three testers that we had test also matched autosomal DNA with my dad and his cousin at the level we would expect for the relationship we predicted if Oliver Ellswick was Charlie's father. So we were pretty sure at that point that Oliver Ellswick was Charlie's dad. He was born in Monroe County, Iowa in 1847. In 1873, he was single and living in Monroe County. Sometime before 1800, he moved to Oregon, because in the 1800 census, he is enumerated in Oregon and listed as a woodcutter. He moved back to Iowa for a time, and by 1887, he moved to Kansas, where he met and married his wife, a woman named Ida Lawton. Oliver and Ida moved to Spring Hollow, Laclede County, Missouri, in 1893, and then by 1900, they had decided to move back to Kansas. 
Oliver and Ida had one son, whose name was Charles, but he did not survive infancy. They had four daughters who did survive, and two of those had children. He died in 1907 at the age of 60 of a sudden heart attack on a streetcar in Columbus, Kansas. So we actually contacted several descendants of Oliver Ellswick and asked them to take DNA tests. There were five of them that tested, and all of the DNA matches line up with what we would expect if Oliver Ellswick was Charlie's father. So now that we were pretty sure that Oliver Ellswick was Charlie's father, the question is, who is Charlie's mother? So we turned back to the DNA. Now remember, our strongest DNA matches on Ancestry were to descendants of Thomas L. Cummings. So we did some research on Thomas Cummings and decided to focus on females of this line who would have been in the Appanoose County area, living and of age to have had a child in 1873. So there was only one female who fit this description, and that was a daughter of Thomas L. Cummings, who was a uh, brother to the Cummings sisters who had married the Link brothers. So it's a super interesting situation. Uh, Thomas L. Cummings and his wife, they lived in Indiana, and they had several kids, and they both passed away pretty close to each other. And then so uh, their kids went to live with his mother, Sophia Landman Cummings. So she's got her grandchildren living with her. She has two daughters uh, who have married the Link brothers, and they're all living in Indiana together. Well, the Links decide that they want to move out to Iowa. And at this time in Iowa, there's a lot of uh, mining going on and a lot of uh, immigrants are moving to that area. So it's like the prime area for these Swiss immigrants to to move, to start a new life in a new area where that's just been opened up for settlement. So the Links move out to Monroe County, Iowa with their wives and their children, and they bring their mother-in-law, Sophia Landman Cummings, and her grandkids, who are the children of Thomas L. Cummings. So they all move out to Iowa together. So Mary Cummings is living with uh, her uncle out there in Iowa, and she actually marries one of her aunt's a stepchildren. It, it, his last name is Link, but they aren't actually related to each other. So Mary Cummings marries a guy named John Link. So they're living out in Iowa together. She actually wasn't on the list of maternal suspects because at the time that Charlie was born, she was actually married. However, we did find a lot more interesting stuff about Mary Cummings Link, and it all started to match up exactly what Charlie had been told about his mother. So Mary, sometimes called Polly, Cummings Link, was born about 1838 in Indiana. Her mother had died after giving birth to her youngest brother, and her father died shortly after that. Mary, sometimes called Polly, moved with her siblings and her grandmother, Sophia Landman Cummings, to the Centerville, Iowa area in the 1840s with the Conrad Link Party. She married John L. Link, who was the son of Elijah Link and his first unknown wife, in 1856. John Link mysteriously remarried in 1874 and left Iowa. Mary was from Indiana. Her married last name was Link. And most interesting of all, what we discovered was that she was committed to a mental institution in 1874. She lived out the remainder of her life in various institutions and passed away at the Mount Pleasant State Hospital in 1903 with no known family. She was buried in the hospital cemetery in an unmarked grave. One can only speculate what happened and how Oliver Ellswick and Mary Cummings Link got together to produce Charlie. 
Surely they grew up in the same area near one another. It's clear that the Ellswicks, the Cummings, the Lynx, and the Anks likely knew one another. The Ellswicks and the Cummings Lynx lived next door to each other in 1860. The Link brothers, recent immigrants from Switzerland, likely knew the Anks brothers, also recent immigrants from Switzerland. And in a small community like Centerville, Iowa, surely they would have come into contact with one another. They would have spoken the same language, had the same customs, and it's not a great leap to imagine that the Lynx knew that Conrad Angst and his wife were unable to have children of their own. When Mary Cummings Link was sent to the state hospital with a young child left behind, it's easy to imagine that the child's Link grandparents would have wanted the child to go to a family that would raise him with Swiss traditions. Whether they knew who the father was is unclear. Whether Oliver Ellswick knew he had a son is also unclear. But now that we had some names, we could actually do some more research. In May of 2021, my father and I took a trip to Iowa, and we did a lot of research there. The coolest part about it, though, is that we went to Henry County, and we visited the Mount Pleasant Mental Institution. It's no longer a mental institution. It is now a part of the prison facilities there in Iowa. But it was really neat to see the grounds and the buildings where my great-great-grandmother would have actually been housed. It's a very sad story, but it's also a common story. I don't know if she actually did have mental issues or if her husband was just done with her or if she had cheated on him and then he decided he wanted to marry somebody else. I don't know. But it's really sad that she spent her last days alone in a mental institution. And there was an article published when she died that basically said she died with no known relatives and they were just publishing an obituary just to let anybody know, you know, if they wanted to come pay their respects that she'd passed away. And Charlie spent his whole life looking for her. So it's just very sad. Even though her obituary said that she had no known relatives, today there are hundreds of descendants of Mary Link living. Um, I've been working on putting together a book about Charlie, about his ancestors and about his descendants. And I have over 200 descendants now listed of Charlie. So even though his whole life, he did not know who his parents were. Thanks to modern technology and DNA, we now know who Charlie's parents were. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions, corrections or content suggestions, fill out the contact form at lifeofangst.com.